Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. I am the boss today. G'day listeners. Are you singing? I'm singing at the start of an episode, although... The lady that did the voiceover thing, really, she gets like front and center of all of our episodes, Coxie. We should change that up a bit. I think that would shock people to hear our voices first. (laughs) You and I can do our own intro sting thing. I did listen to somebody sting recently and it was their own voice and I thought, "Mm, that's a bit naff. (laughs) Or that I want to do that. Maybe not. (laughs) No. So, listeners, do you hate the sound of your own voice? Well, if you do, we're here to save you because you can listen to us instead. But and I'm we're going to talk about making decisions. I'm still diving right into episodes as much as I can, Coxie. This is very difficult for me to change and not Ooh. fluffing at the start. <laughs> it is a challenge, I'm sure, for you not to have your Waz's waffle on. Yes. You know what I did? Mm. I made a decision. Oh, how did you do that work? <laughs> I stopped analyzing and worrying and agonizing and paralyzing and prophesizing and theorizing. I can't think of any more isings. You got any more for me, Coxie? No, I'm out. You're done. No, was arising. And I just made a decision. I had an interesting session with a client of ours recently, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's a he, and I won't use his name. He does listen to the show occasionally. Usually when I tell him to listen to an episode because it's slightly therapeutic or aimed directly at him, so I'll probably send him this one. And he was really quite worried about a couple of decisions mm-hmm. in, his, in his, well, his behavior actually more than his business. It was about his behavior. And he said something in response to me asking him what happens when he does insert new behavior? Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens when you do this thing, when you, when you actually make the change and do this differently? And he said, you know what? Most of the time it's all right. And he'd been really afraid of changing his behavior because he was afraid of this negative outcome, this perception of his that, it would go badly and all these yucky things would happen. But he said it to me, most of the time, it's all right when he does that. I said, great. So if most of the time it's all right, why don't you do it more? And it's because he's afraid of the thing that doesn't happen most of the time. <laughs> so we I think I'm afraid of the thing that's the minority of the time. Sorry, Coxie. No, I think I've just figured out who we're talking about about what we're talking about. <laughs> You're sitting there thinking now. Penny's dropped. <laughs> yeah, I know who it is now. Um, it's true, right? And what we're talking about, the situation here is impacting a couple of people's behaviour. And so it can be confronting to make changes yourself because it could lead to a positive outcome or a negative outcome. I guess it's with any change or choice that you need to make. Yes, And I reckon, Coxie, that part of the issue most of us have 
is we become really focused on the thing that doesn't happen very often because, and I'm, I've been listening to a really great audio book lately, uh, which most of our clients would know about because I talk about it incessantly. <laughs> I'm, I'm fanboying on this book and it is really, really great. And it's pulling some other principles into a different context. And as human beings, we are very risk averse. Mm. We are much more motivated to get away from pain than we are towards pleasure. Yes, we are. Now, a lot of people talk about this whole pleasure-seeking generation and, uh, you know, the issues with addiction and all that sort of stuff about seeking pleasure. But if you read any of Mark Manson's stuff or a lot of those sort of modern philosophers and psychologists, that is not actually driven by seeking of pleasure. It's driven by a desire to numb pain or suffering or distract ourselves from stress or anxiety or depression or anything else that's afflicting so many of us these days. Mm. So we're doing lots of things, binging on Netflix. It's not about the pleasure of the Netflix binge. It's about the fact that that helps us to not think about the pile of unpaid bills in the office. Mm. So we're very motivated to move away from pain and therefore we're very focused on what causes us pain mm. we tend to be very aware of what's going to bring me pain and suffering so in your business listeners you more than likely and you can tell me if i'm wrong here you more than likely have a bit of a, a bent for focusing on the bad stuff the painful stuff the stressful stuff the things that are frustrating you the stuff that's not working you do it with your staff you're always chipping them and, and giving them critical feedback and pulling them up on stuff that's not working maybe you do that with yourself as well and you beat up on yourself or you you're not happy with some of the things that you're doing you look at your business and things aren't fixed the way you want them you're not getting the results that you want there's all of this pain there's all of this uh, suffering around you and it's the same with risks so when we look at making change, we look at, well, what's the risk involved with making the change? And even though that risk might only be a 5 or 10% chance, to many of us, that is worse than the awesomeness that is 80% likely to happen and super great. We think, oh, no, nah, but there's a big risk that this staff member will leave or that the marketing strategy won't work or that we'll end up with too much work and I won't be able to get it all done and I'll be letting customers down or get a bad reputation. It's like, what? But I thought you wanted more work. Yeah, but if we can't handle it, then, you know, people might have a bad opinion of our business. So, But you don't have enough work, dude. Mm. Do that. That's interesting. Some, yeah, it, that's something that's a great thread you pulled up on there. Um, you're going to have to sew up the couch when you're finished. <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> The, the that's a really common one The I don't have enough work but I'm too afraid to advertise or market my business because I don't have my systems in place yet so I'm not going to be able to handle the influx of work that comes next well nothing's like turning on a light switch unfortunately first and foremost except when you make that decision but secondly there is time it's not it's a bit like when you and I talk to our members about employing somebody nobody ever knows when the right time is and I can tell you right now there is no right or wrong time there really isn't it's about what you make of it and being sure in your choice in that moment. So if you know at the moment you have too much work on and you require somebody to help you, don't think about 
a couple of weeks down the track. Don't focus on that. Focus on what you need right now and then what you need to do to continue to have enough work to keep that person in place because they're going to free you up enough so that you can work on some of your marketing or you can start to do more of your networking or you can actually get out your quotes on time or chase up some of the old quotes that you haven't bothered to call yet. You're going to find more of that time as soon as you have a team member in place because you so desperately need to keep the work coming. It becomes, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think a lot of change in being polarized by fear can be so quickly altered with a bit of a perception shift. Mm. Start to think about, okay, well, what are the, the benefits rather than looking at the negative? I think we are risk averse. We're, we're taught to be risk averse from particularly young, this next generation, even more so than us. Mm. We still got around on the trampoline and broke our arms or ran around till dark when it was time for dinner and you managed to find your way. But we've become more risk averse as we take on more responsibility, I think, as business owners. That makes us far more risk averse. And yet I think we're not taking enough time to look at, okay, well, what could the positives be here? Let's not focus right now on the negatives. Let's focus on the positives and then come back and have a look at the negatives if you need to. If you really feel that the risk is so tight either way, then take a look at the negatives. If it's not, if it's really weighted to the positive, then how about we spend more time in that space than the negative space of what might go wrong? So that leads us back in a roundabout kind of way to how the hell do we make decisions, Coxie? Do you know how I start and have already, and I can show it to you if you like, a pros and cons list? Yeah. Just a simple pros and cons list. I love it. And and in that, often what I see when I do it or when I see what other people come up with for their pros and cons list is still a list that says the pros outweigh the cons and yet we still sit there <laughs> and agonize about it because yeah but look at the cons i'm like but look at the size of the pros list and look at the weight of the pros mm. look at the awesomeness sitting here on the left hand side and it's like yeah but it was i could i could look like an idiot if this doesn't work it's us being stuck in fear yet again isn't it mm. and then what are we really afraid of i mean how many what? of us have got every decision right in our whole life none of us have i was listening to i don't know what it was i presume it was a podcast that one of my children were listening to this morning it was talking about this very um ideal i suppose is the way i would talk about the way this podcaster was talking about it and he was saying what if there was an alternate person in an alternate or was you in an alternate universe who'd made every decision you'd ever procrastinated about and you regretted making one way or the other, what would their life look like? And what might that mean for you moving forward? So for every time you said no, when you should have said yes, or you said yes, when the benefit would have been to say no, because my goodness, as tradies, we find it hard to say no. What would your life look like? How would it be different now? If you go back and look over retrospectively the last year, even just 12 months, how would that have changed your life? Would there have been more positive to come out of that or more negative? It was an interesting concept. It got him all fired up. Yeah. I've just gone quiet because I was thinking about my life when you yeah. just posed that somewhat rhetorical question to all of us. I thought, wow, if I'd said the opposite to some of the things that I have, my life would be pretty sucky, I reckon. I think it would too. <laughs> I know a lot of the decisions you're referring to and I, you wouldn't be as happy as you are now. I was 
I was packing death to make some of those decisions. And in the end, I just went with it against the fear and the, the, oh my gosh, this is so not me. This is not what I would normally do. This is not what my parents would want. This is not what seems right, but it did kind of seem right mm. in some ways. Mm. And that's been, there's, but I've made some monumental choices and decisions in the last six years that I look back now and I love my life. And if I hadn't actually taken those risks, if I hadn't risked the scary bits, I, who knows, of course, Coxie, I'm pretty sure the trajectory that I was on <laughs> I would not be sitting here telling a bunch of people on a podcast that I love my life. And it's because I was willing to risk some of the, the uncomfortable stuff. So what is it about fear that holds us back? Is it, there's a, I feel that we've been brought up in a generation of comparison, which heightens fear when we're all looking to see what Mr. and Mrs. Jones are doing or just mm -hmm. the people next door, anyone. Mm -hmm. When we're, we're busy focusing on everyone else's business, mm -hmm. there's a lot of fear around our own sense of failure and what that might look like. And yet failure is something that we determine for ourselves. It's not something that's determined by others. It's determined by ourselves. So failure might mean to me that I have three coffees tomorrow instead of two. Hmm. That might be my determination of failure tomorrow. And yet it might be for the builder, failure might be bankruptcy or failure might be not having relationships with family members. And yet are they as monumental as we think they're going to be? Sure, they're bloody painful. They would be tough. But do they? Do we realistically need to fear and allow the fear to control our lives enough to stop making our own choices, stop having control, stop influencing the way I want? Our, we we actually truly want our lives to go. It's the sixty-four thousand trillion dollar question, of course, and if you believe listeners that we are somehow evolved from a more primal version of ourselves. And even if you don't um, growth and revolution is real. If you're a creationist, then humans have been on this planet long enough to have actually learned and changed the way we think our views on the world have changed over thousands of years. I mean, that's real. Uh, and if you're an evolutionist, then, of course, we've evolved um, along the way, both physiologically and psychologically. And either way, fear was a protective factor for us. It stopped us getting killed mm. from the, the marauding Romans or from a charging lion. Either way, fear was a protective mechanism. And now what are we afraid of? That our post doesn't get 50 likes mm. or that, that I don't know, our favorite fast food chain has run out of the burger we really wanted. I mean, what have we got to fear these days? I don't know. I, and I, even in, in the age of the C word, what are we actually afraid of? I mean, I don't want to stray into that because of the, the crazy amounts of, 
fear that that invokes in people when we start talking about contrarian views that or views that are different to what others think they should be. But largely, most of us have very little to fear that's actually going to hurt us or cause us pretty serious loss. And I, my theory is that that means we actually overreact to situations where our fear response is just a check. It's just a tap on the shoulder to say, Oi, Coxie, are you sure you should be doing this? And that's our opportunity to go, huh, um, yeah, there's some risk here and it's okay. I'm not going to die. No one's going to lose an arm. Uh, we're not going to burn anything down. It's okay. Worst that could happen is we lose a shitload of money and we're really embarrassed. And you can make the money back and you can get over yourself and not feel like an idiot. Can we talk about loss? Because you just referenced loss. And I really want to challenge this thought around what loss looks like. And what is, again, I think it's a bit like failure. It's relative differently to different people. But what is loss actually? And is there not gain that goes with loss anyway? And are we not just focusing on the wrong part of the equation all over again? If I lost my house tomorrow, if something went wrong, we went bankrupt, I lost my house tomorrow, I will have gained a lot of knowledge around what I did wrong, how to do better, what I can do next time to prevent it from happening, how I can help other people so they don't end up in the same situation. So why is it that we continue to focus on the negative loss instead of focusing on the apparent gain? Now, the, the gain might not immediately make you feel fantastic because it still feels like a pineapple that you've <laughs> lost your house. But that gain over time can mean that you not only feel far better than you did when you owned a house, you feel you allow others to feel that much better because you've managed to use that gain to positively impact them. So just in that one scenario, the gain absolutely outweighs the loss every time. So why are we so burdened by the fear of the opinions of others? which is where I think it falls to. And and I suspect a lot of us get stuck on the, well, why am I so afraid of this? Why, why do I still feel fear about this? Despite having listened to Waz's philosophical diatribe about fear and what it actually means, blah, 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 blah. And that's where I actually think we all have the same amount of power and strength in these situations, we all have the ability to make a different choice. We all, we all have that capacity. Well, those of you listening anyway, no matter how stressed out you are, no matter what state of financial stability you're in or not in, we actually all still have choice. And that's the thing that all of us can exercise which when you think about it, it gives us control in situations where we feel like we're out of control, where viruses and governments and, you know, employees and kids and neighbors and marketplaces and customers and everything else seem to control our lives. 
that is not the reality. The reality is we still have control because we still have choice. You can put up your rates and screen out the tire kickers. You can put a sales process in place. You can leave your partner for someone better. Or you could just leave your partner and forget about finding someone better because it might be better without someone altogether. You could actually parent your kids differently. Mm-hmm. You could figure out how to lead your staff better. We all have that choice. And I have found that incredibly difficult to accept in the last six or seven years of my life, Coxie. And I've shared a lot of my um, slightly soiled laundry on the podcast over the years, <laughs> um, a lot less lately than I used to. So thanks for the therapy sessions, listeners, for those of you who have <laughs> been with the show for a long time. And you know, it's not because life is all unicorn farts and cupcakes these days. Far from it. It's just that I come back to the fact that, well, I have a choice. I don't like the choices in front of me. One looks like a dog poo and one looks like a cow poo. I still have a choice. And I don't know, Coxie, I think ultimately some people just like to be victims. It's it's a little bit addictive. Do you think that maybe they don't know how to be anything but? Yeah, I, I feel like that is fair for you to defend them in that way. <laughs> uh, and I was listening to an interesting podcast myself recently about um, this whole concept of I don't know what I don't know. Mm. And a lot of commentators and mentors and coaches say you need to find out what it is you don't know. Mm. And And this particular author was saying, well, how can you do that when you don't know what you don't know? I can't go look for the things that I don't know if I don't know that I don't know them. Whose brain's hurting? So what he said, which was really cool, is he said you actually need to not go seeking things that you don't know about because you can't find them if you don't know them. What you should actually do is is embrace the fact that you don't know everything Mm. and you need to prepare for things beyond the scope of your vision and just be ready and not be so rigid with your thinking, your beliefs, your business practices, your leadership style or anything else and not slip into that really sneaky but dangerous propensity to believe that we have got certain things sorted (laughs) and we know what we're doing. I'm allowed to laugh at that. I'm well qualified. <laughs> What's well, the oh. trick though? Life throws you some curly curveballs. So you have no control or rarely any control about when they might land in your lap. But you do have the control around how you deal with the situation that's being dealt to you. So similar to what you're saying, I might not like the choice between the cow poo or the dog poo. I still have a choice. And that's where I need to put my energy and focus is into having the ability to have the choice, make the choice and move on. Because what a lot of us end up doing is standing there complaining about the fact that all I've got is dog poo or cow poo and mm. it's not fair and it's the government's fault because they're the ones that served it up to me and what am I supposed to do with this? Like neither is these options are any good and on and on we go. Mm. And I know I'm trivialising this a little bit with the, the example and you and I hear this every day of the week, Coxie. Not 
so much with our clients. They're our clients because they've actually made a decision. Yes. And they've said, well, there's a risk that Was and Coxie are going to take my money and go run away to Bali. Actually, we can't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> not legally anyway. I have to swim there. And I hate swimming. So, you know, there's, there's a risk of that. And they've made a decision and a choice to give it a good crack mm. and do what they can to make the most of it and accept that they don't know everything. I've been notoriously bad at that. You I've, have not. For most of my life, I thought I knew everything. You did not. And it's taken, I'll, I'll say it's taken 10 years of consciousness and hard work, and I suspect you're being sarcastic, Coxie, uh, <laughs> to just move away from that a little bit. I mean, I still give the impression to people that I think I know everything mm. without meaning to. Oh, I don't know. It's it's a it's a confidence in what you say and you do. I think that gives people the impression that you know everything. I feel the same at times. It's just not true. There's so much more confidence and power in saying actually I don't, and I'd love your help on this, or could you point me in the right direction, or how do I go about learning a better way, than there is in carrying on doing what you think is best and not getting the results that you're actually chasing. There's always somebody out there with a different kind of knowledge. It doesn't mean it's better. Mm, that's it's just right. different. It's just different. It's just information. It is information. I would love if we could empower our listeners enough to be less concerned with the thoughts of others and more concerned about the choices we have and making the right ones for us in the moment. And I, I don't remember who told me many, many years ago that there's never a right or a wrong choice it's just the right for right now choice and that's okay. But it's right. really made a big difference to most of the time the way I'm able to make a decision on what's put in front of me. I'm not always going to make the right choice, but I'll make the right choice for right now, what I think is going to be the right thing and I'm okay with that. Some choice or decision is most of the time as far as I've seen over the years, not just for me personally but certainly an observation, and I, and I have such a wonderful bank of experience to call on of seeing other people's behavior over 13 years of, of coaching closely hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people you get to see a lot of human behavior and you get to see a lot of what happens when people do certain things mm -hmm. and making a choice is far and away better than making no choice at all because mm -hmm. you end up just stewing in your own juices and going not nowhere it's worse than nowhere you go backwards mm. because it starts to negatively impact your own emotional and psychological state which has an impact on your physical health it impacts relationships i've seen it impact people's financial situation because they're just literally simmering in their own fear and uncertainty and they become so incapacitated that that seeps into other areas of their life mm. and they become even more indecisive and unsure of things in other areas. And down the track, things start to fray and fall apart. And it's the decisive people that they don't always get the decisions right, but they make decisions. And that creates a movement in a direction and only when you're moving can you see that frame of reference going past like whoa hang on it's like a it's like a, a gps if you're sitting still how many of you had this happen listeners 
you've plugged the destination into whichever maps app you like to use. And because you're sitting still, it's like, I don't know which way you're pointing. <laughs> so you should definitely turn left and make a U-turn. And you're like, what? That's a dead end street that I just came out of. Why would I go back up there? And it's because you're not moving anywhere. It can't mm. tell you until you start moving, whether you're moving in the right direction or not. So you have to move in a direction to get that to work. And so much of what we approach in life is like that. It's like, you know what? I don't know which one of these is right. Probably neither of them, but I'm going to choose the dog poo. I've got a bunch of reasons which make it seem slightly plausible and I hold my breath, grit my teeth and just go for it until you pick up the dog poo and realize that there's a $50 bill underneath it. It's like, yes, <laughs> I chose right. I won't tell you that there was a thousand dollar bill under the cow pat. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter though, does it? Because no. you've the decision that you've made and you've moved forward in the direction of whatever it is that you're chasing. Yeah. It's so, nothing worse than being stagnant. How do you make decisions, Coxie? Here's my thing, listeners. Here, here's my thing. You can write this down if you like. You can quote me. Somebody quote me on social media. I dare you. <laughs> you won't get any more followers, I promise. The best way to make a decision is to make it. <laughs> it's like it's that. That's it. How do I make a decision? How do I make a decision on whether to hire or fire this person was? Like, just make a decision. Yeah, but which one's right? Just make one. The fact that you're thinking about which one is right means something has to happen. Mm. Something has to change. And largely we're faced with these binary options. Keep the person, let them go. Say harsh words to them or continue to be nice. Invest in the marketing strategy or don't. Like there's this either or aspect to so many of the things that we face. Pick one, do it, move in that direction, see what happens, reassess. I think the critical point is the measuring really, isn't it? Absolutely. It's the understanding what the consequence is after. Did it work? Yes. Great. Keep making that decision. Did it not work? Okay. Fantastic. Have a look at another way to make a different decision. And you have just absolutely iced my cake, Coxie. Ooh, that sounded a bit bad. Did this uh, <laughs> Until Adam, I said that. Oh, um, uh. But to, you've, you've literally put the icing on that whole cake with the measuring you have to you have to have some metric of i moved in that direction what happened Mm. instead of i moved in that direction yeah did you pay any attention (laughs) otherwise you'd be faced with another poo choice yeah there you are so head moving in a direction make a decision measure what you did figure it out did it work yes no move again simple We make it sound so simple. (laughs) And we get it right all the time. It doesn't mean that we're not facing big choice or big decisions or big stuff in our own lives. It's just that we tend to talk around business instead of our own stuff. I think we we look like maybe we get it right all the time, but we really, really don't. No. No. Uh, I'm not going to share the number of team members we've been through in the last (laughs) six months, but it's more than one. (laughs) suffice to say there's been a few and that's a classic example it took us every time it didn't work we took the time to reflect and understand why not which gave us the knowledge the power the education to make a different decision next time or to do something different around the process next time that's a great example so listeners 
tradies in business, trade business owners, uh, real tradie wives out there listening, tradie blokes, uh, apprentices, anybody listening to this episode that is currently stewing a little bit on anything, just choose a direction and move in that direction. If you can make it a small step, make it a small step. If, if doing the, the either or thing feels too massive, find a closer little half step of that and move in that direction and see what happens. Do what Coxie said, see what happens. Now for any of you who have been listening to this podcast for multiple episodes that have maybe poked around in the tradies in business group on Facebook, if you can find us with all of the changes here in Australia, uh, if you've been having a look at the website, maybe you've read some blogs, uh, wherever you're at, maybe you joined the trade desk, our DIY trade business improvement option. Maybe you joined that on a free trial and you're thinking, should I stay? Should I go? If I stay, these guys are going to charge my credit card. Maybe take a risk. It's not a big risk to join us. It's not a big risk to join the trade desk. If you haven't joined, it's free. It's our it's our big premium member group. It's a subscription. Yes, I know. It's a subscription. Scary stuff. <laughs> you get me and Coxie coming at you multiple times a week for coaching. There's resources. You can tap into a huge member base of successful trade business owners. It's FRWE free. It's not much of a risk. You can cancel any time. Maybe this is the episode that pokes you in the eye a little bit. What are you waiting for? Better than a pineapple. <laughs> yeah. Take my poke in the eye or Coxie's pineapple in the, uh, <clears throat> your choice. <laughs> Choose your hard. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Hooray. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.